Good morning, Berean family. Good morning to Berean Family Live, or whatever we call you watching online. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, listen, it's summertime. If you're going to be missing some services, um, we will forgive you. Uh, it'll take some time, but we'll forgive you. But we want you to stay involved and stay connected. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we do our video sermons, so, uh, our services. So please stay connected, particularly this summer as we are starting a new series today called Foundations. Uh, I think it's going to be essential for all of us to, to stay uh, in tune with the, every one of these uh, um, uh, services that are part of this series. Uh, it, it's going to be, we're going to be talking about things that are going to be important for a long period of time. We really are giving a foundation to where we are headed as a church. Foundations are important, aren't they? You know, it, we, it could be any discipline un, under the sun that you have to build a foundation before you can get really good at something, right? Uh, these kids that we're sending off, you know, uh, they didn't start off in a calculus class. If they did, they would have failed miserably, right? They started off with basic math, and, and they built their way up and kind of added to their, their uh, uh, knowledge until they got all the way up to a calculus class. I, of course, in high school never made it that far, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, my son Isaiah, who's in here somewhere, probably sitting in the back. Okay, I see you, Isaiah. My son Isaiah, he likes to rope, right? Throw a rope and try to like, get a steer or whatever. So you don't just start off with, here's a rope, there's some cattle, have fun. Uh, you could, but you're probably going to get hurt, and there's probably going to be a lot of people laughing at you and those kind of things. So we get this little dummy, right? And for hours a day, Isaiah will be outside trying to rope this dummy that doesn't move. You start with something really simple, and then you build up. From there, we used to, in Alaska, we had a bunch of sheep. So I would come home from work, and the sheep would be panting like crazy. And immediately I knew Isaiah had been in the pen with the sheep, roping them nonstop. But you have to build on these little skills until we can get really good at something. Guys, discipleship is no different. I'm afraid in the church, we jump right into calculus. And we think, God, why aren't we being fruitful? We're doing all the things. And we skip over what we would consider to be simple. Well, friends, there's nothing simple about it. Well, I guess maybe it's simple in concept, but it's profound in application. And this next nine weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it mean, we're going to start today with what is a disciple even? Next week, I'm going to be preaching on what is the gospel? And before you check out and say, well, I already know what a disciple is. I already know what a gospel is. Ask yourself the question, who are you discipling right now? Are you discipling somebody right now? Because if you're not, it's time to move forward. And in order for us to move forward, sometimes we have to step back and say, all right, let's start from scratch. Let's build a foundation that we can move forward on. Because here's the thing, guys. You are the church. You are the church. I get asked a lot, Pastor, are we going to do invitations? Are you going to do an invitation like every week? Before I got here, I asked that question a lot. Are we going to do an invitation every week? The answer is we are going to do some invitations here on Sunday mornings. But I believe the most powerful invitations that can happen will happen in your homes. Don't go meet somebody and say, well, I'm going to bring him to church or her to church so that he can hear about Jesus or that she can hear about Jesus. You share Jesus with them. That's our job as the church. We're coming together. My job is to equip the saints. To equip the saints to do what? To disciple. To go and to make disciples. And again, that's what this series is all about I'm going to ask uh, Lentrail to come up. So throughout this summer in this series, you're going to be hearing from different staff members or different pastors 
uh, including Pastor Isaiah coming up in July. Excited about that. Um, as, we're, as we're going through this series, this series, by the way, uh, it's, it's, you'll find is very biblically based, but some of the tools that we use within this series we find um, um, in a book written by Mike Green. Uh, we took that book from my last church at Change Point in Alaska and kind of contextualized it and made it our discipleship program there. And we've taken that information to Lentrail in order to contextualize and make it um, our discipleship kind of tool, if you would, here at Berean. So uh, stay in tune. We want you to lean forward throughout this whole series. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I showed you a, a, a triangle on the screen, and we've, we've shown it a few times. If we pull it up there again. We call it our life in Christ triangle. And uh, there's kind of three relationships within our walk with Christ. The first one is enjoying God together. That's the up. Uh, if you look at the right, the in, if you remembered, is growing in grace and truth together. And then the out in our context is taking life in Christ to the heart of Ohio and beyond. Uh, again, today we're going to start with the up today, enjoying God together, by answering the question, what is a disciple? And Lentrell, you've got the task to do that. Let me pray for you, man. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for my brother. God, it just so encouraging this first message today, this first service, just listening to my brother and just to, just to hear the words that you spoke through him. God, we, we know that, it's, it, that, that Lentrail is a representative of your good work. And we thank you for that. But God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will speak in and through my brother today. That he will speak with conviction, with accuracy, with confidence. And that we will all take a step closer to you as a result. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. <clears throat> so as Dan said, I have the task and the pleasure this morning of answering and, and working with you through this question of what is a disciple? What is a disciple? And it, it, is, could, it could be um, a little bit, you could be curious, like why would we spend a whole message on defining what is a disciple. Like, many of you do know what is a disciple, but why should we spend a whole sermon in defining a disciple? Let me give you some statistics. This was, there was a poll taken, and 51% of churchgoers in this poll confessed to never hearing of the Great Commission. Think about that. 51% of people attending churches, evangelical churches, said they never heard of the Great Commission. 25% of that poll recalled hearing of the term, but they didn't know what it meant, the Great Commission. Like, we heard it, but we really don't know what it means. Some discipleship or goal somewhere. 17% actually knew what the Great Commission was. So if you just do the math, over 80% of churchgoers or church attenders are clueless about the Great Commission. And this can't be true of us, Berean family. It can't be true of us. Jesus did not just save us from our sin. He saved us for something. And I'm going to argue that something he saved us for is to be disciples who make disciples for his glory. And so if you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Matthew 28. That was kind of the why. Why even study this topic? Why spend a message on defining a disciple? In Matthew 28, we have the Great Commission where Jesus calls and commands his disciples to go and make more disciples. 
Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is the Great Commission. And as we start this message, I want to give you a definition. This is how we as a church are defining a disciple. Could you put that up for me, please? This is our definition. A disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus who is obeying, gathering, and going. This is how we are defining a disciple. There could be more things said about a disciple, but there can be no less things said about a disciple. And so as we use this definition, could you put it up again, please? As we use this definition, it's going to be a working definition for this whole series. A disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus who is obeying, gathering, and going. And throughout this message, I just want to, I just want to defend this definition. I want to validate this definition in Scripture. One of the things that I think is important is I'm actually going to work backwards. I'm going to start from going and then touch gathering and then define what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus then obeying. And I want to be intentional in doing that because before we talk about going and gathering and, and the things we do, I think all of that must flow from our devotion to Jesus. Amen? We, we, we're, not, we're not functioning or, or working in our own strength, but as we commune with Christ, as we abide in him, then we go, then we gather, then we make disciples. So point one, the first thing I want to do is is defend and validate that a disciple is someone who is going. Someone who is going. Look back at Matthew 28. It's obvious that Jesus is talking to his disciples. You see verse 16. He says, it says, Then now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. We know that is the audience of Jesus' commission. He is talking to the disciples. It's obvious also here that Jesus tells them how to make disciples. You see that? He says, go and make disciples. Disciple making is the main verb in this text. And then he tells them how to do it. He says, by going, baptizing, and teaching them all to observe all of my commands. It is also obvious that Jesus anticipated those who would become disciples, who would become believers, would enter into the mission. Are you with me? As people are made disciples, they too join in the mission of making disciples. It wasn't just supposed to be for those 11 men. It was supposed to spread throughout the whole church. Every believer is a disciple maker by definition. So when Jesus is telling these 11 men, go and make disciples, he's anticipating those who join will also be disciple makers. And lastly, it is very clear in this text that Jesus commands his disciples to go. He tells them to go. So we define a disciple as someone who is going. But what does that mean? 
to be going. I would say to be going is to live a life missionally, ever seeking to replicate more disciples. To be goers means that we are ever seeking to make more disciples. We live missionally. Jesus has all authority. He sends us to go and make disciples where? Of all nations. Let me put it this way. A disciple, by definition, is a missionary. We are a sent people. Notice what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 21. Chapter 20, 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We are a sent people. We are by nature missionaries. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, if you are a follower of Jesus, you can do it. Turn to your neighbor. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. Tell your neighbor, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're having lunch today. We're going to fix that real quick. (laughs) By definition, we are people who are going. We are sent people. Acts 1.8. Luke records Jesus by saying, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to the witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We have been commissioned, we are called to go. And can I be honest? One of the pastors, one of pastors' greatest challenges in ministry is to lovingly lead God people in a way where they don't see themselves as consumers but co-workers with the pastors and teachers. Are you with me? I think we have all heard someone say this, you know, I'm leaving that church because I'm not being fed. That really is a consumer mindset. Pastors and teachers are not special people with products to be consumed by those who attend services. Pastors and teachers are equippers of God's people to do the work of the ministry. If you can't say amen, you might want to say ouch. (laughs) Why do we gather? What is the job of the pastor? It's to equip the people of God to do the work of the ministry. So who's the ministers here? We are. We are. By definition, a disciple is someone who is going. Family. Beloved family, God did not redeem us for us to be consumers. He redeemed us to be co-workers with each other and with him. How amazing that we can co-work and participate with God in the salvation of souls. We are to be a people who go. You know, I was discipled by a man who lived very missionally. Many of you know him, Bob Ray. He never met a stranger. Everywhere we went, he would tell people about Jesus. And it really rubbed off on me. I I wanted to imitate him in that. He he was very evangelistic. I remember calling Bob one time, and he was driving on the freeway. And he said, say hello to Jack. I don't remember the guy's name, but say hello to this guy. And I'm like, who is he? He's like, some guy picked up off the highway. (laughs) You picked this guy up off the highway. 
But that was him. He was always seeking to, to share God's word. And there may be some of you here today, and you might confess, I'm no Bob Ray. Like, it makes me even sweat and fear to think about sharing my testimony with somebody or the gospel with someone. Let me tell you this, brother or sister. God wants to use your personality. You don't have to be a Bob Ray. But God is intentional, and he wants to use your personality. He wants to empower your personality to be a witness for him. Amen? God wants to do that. It's an interesting thing to go through the book of Acts and see when the disciples are filled with the Spirit. Oftentimes, you would hear afterwards, they're filled with the Spirit, and they spoke with boldness. As we submit to God, he fills us with his Spirit and empowers us to be witnesses. And gives us courage and boldness to do things that we would never imagine that we would do based on our personalities. So no one is excluded from this. That's what I'm trying to say. Everyone is to be a goer. Amen? Secondly, a disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus who is gathered, who gathers. We are gathering and it's interesting, here in Matthew's gospel, in every gospel, we have a commissioning of the disciples. In, in Mark 16, in Luke 24, in John 20, every gospel has a commissioning of disciples. And, and what I want to draw your attention to here, and even in those other texts, is that they're all given to, they're, they're plural. They're all given to a group of people. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, go and preach the gospel, he's talking to a group of people. Let me put it this way. There's no such thing as a disciple or discipleship apart from community. Community is essential. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples, and this is impossible to do alone. Think about it. Disciple-making. Disciple-making, it includes us entering into the life of someone, principally to help them do two things. Know and follow Jesus, that is evangelism. Know and follow Jesus, and then obey his commands, teaching them to obey his commands. That's discipleship. You see that? So we enter into people's lives to help them know and follow Jesus, evangelism, and then teach them to obey his commands. That is discipleship. And all of this must be done in community. Community is important, so by definition, we are people, we are disciples who gather. But look at the, the phrase about the baptism here in Matthew 28. It says that we are baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is important. This is so important for us. Yeah, baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality, right? We've seen that last weekend. 14 of them. It's an it's a outward, outward declaration of an inward transformation, right? But also think about this. As we are baptized into the name of the Godhead, as we are united to God, this impacts our identity. Because we have been united to God, we are new creations. We are new people. We have a new identity, to be baptized in the name of Jesus is making a declaration that Jesus is our Lord and we are his disciples, worshipers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our guide and he empowers us to go as missionaries. 
But note this, if God is our father, that makes us family. We are brothers and sisters. And it is impossible to be a disciple and live apart from the community, the church. So I'm not buying when people say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus, but I want nothing to do with the church. No, that's totally contrary to who we are by nature. By nature, a disciple is one who lives in community. We live in community. Let me put it this way. By definition, a disciple is a servant with the gospel, seeing people come to faith. That's evangelism. But we are also responsible siblings. Responsible siblings, seeing that our brothers and sisters grow as disciples. We're responsible servants with the gospel. We're responsible siblings as we interact with one another. It is important for us to live life on life. We need one another. Didn't our season in COVID confirm this to us? That we were never to live this Christian life alone. Brother and sister, you need community. And you'll hear a lot more about missional communities, what we're seeking to cultivate, to be a place not only of community, but also of mission. A disciple is one who gathers. We gather to live out our identity. How do we gather? Well, we're doing one gathering this morning. We gather to worship. We gather to worship. And I don't know about you, but Sunday morning is really one of the highlights of my week to come in and worship with my brothers and sisters, to worship our King. We gather to worship, but we also gather to grow. I'm thinking about accountable relationships. I think the women in the women's ministry use D groups, discipleship groups. These are a place where we can hold each other accountable, where we can challenge one another for living out the scripture. And this is something we want to happen in all of the church for us to be in accountable relationships. Who is holding you accountable for your growth in following Jesus? You need that. I need that. A disciple is one who gathers to grow. We gather to worship. We gather to grow. And we also gather for mission. Mission is not to be an isolated thing. Okay, you go over there and evangelize. I go over here. No, we go together. And that's what is so important for us to see. We do everything together. We're a family. And so by definition, a disciple is one who gathers. Thirdly, a disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus. Turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 to 22, please. In the beginning of the message, I was saying that our whole definition and our, our activity must flow from devotion. And here I want to show you devotion and what that means as a disciple. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 to 22. Matthew records, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Quick side note, I don't think our present day would like Jesus the preacher. Notice Jesus' message. Repent. Uh, the present-day culture would not have liked Jesus the preacher because he called people to repentance. But that was just a side note. Let me get back to the text. Verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew. 
his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fisher fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with, their, uh, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he caught them. And again, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It's important to know this is not the first time Jesus encounters the disciples. Um, I, I think John's gospel, I know John's gospel records an encounter that Jesus had with these disciples before this moment. The two disciples, they follow Jesus. They say, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. They spend time with Jesus. But this is the time where Jesus calls them into ministry and to follow him as his disciples. And, and I think it's interesting to note here at the sea, Unto the mountain in Matthew 28, what has Jesus done with these men? He has made them disciples. From the sea to the mountain, Jesus has made these men disciples. Jesus leads in imitating what it means to make disciples. And that's what he did with these men. Notice he called these men to follow him. This wasn't a half-hearted devotion. This wasn't a half-hearted following. Jesus called these men to be totally sold out for him. And I think we can see five principles of what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus. And let me give these to you really quickly. First, to be a devoted follower of Jesus means that we obey Jesus, obedience. Jesus called these men and notice what they did. They left everything. Their livelihoods, their job, they even left their father. They obeyed Jesus. And so being a disciple, a devoted disciple of Jesus requires obedience. Secondly, repentance. Jesus preached a message of repentance. And we must conclude that this message was applied to the disciples as well. They were no exception. They too must have repented and followed Jesus and believed in him. And they did that. It was a process, but they did that. Number three, submission. To be a devoted follower of Jesus inquires and in, in is necessary for submission. It was Jesus' agenda and Jesus' schedule. They didn't tell Jesus, hey, I think we need to go over here or over there. No, Jesus was running the show. And yet how often do we we craft our lives and we have our goals and, our, and what we want to accomplish and we call God down to bless our agenda. That's not what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is one who is submitted to the plan and the purposes of God. It's your will be done in my life. It is not my will, but your will. To be a devoted follower of Jesus requires submission. And also, fourthly, it requires trust. It requires trust. These men were leaving everything they knew in order to follow Jesus. It took trust. And it's going to take trust for us to be who Jesus is calling us to be. And fifthly, it takes perseverance. This was a lifelong process. It was a journey. Most of these men were martyred for Jesus, but day by day they had to pick up their cross and follow Jesus. And we must as well. 
Jesus is, is demanding obedience, repentance, submission, trust, and perseverance. And that's what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus. But is he worthy of that? Is Jesus worthy of this type of devotion? For us to set aside our plan, to follow him, to endure with him, is Jesus worthy of that? I would say, and I know many of you would say, yes, he is. Why? Why is Jesus worthy of this type of devotion? Well, I would say because he solved the greatest dilemma that man has. Man has a dilemma, and it must be solved. The dilemma is how can sinful people stand before a holy God and not be condemned? And Jesus, he solved that dilemma. How? He came and lived a perfect life and died a terrible death to save sinners like us. His life and his death and his resurrection is our hope. And he did it for sinful people, people who were not looking to him, not desiring him, not seeking after God. He gave up his life and bore wrath to save sinners. So when we think about that, Jesus is worthy of such a devotion. Amen. He is worthy. He lived a perfect life and died a terrible death to save sinners. In light of that, Jesus is worthy of devotion. Fourthly and lastly, obeying. A disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus who is obeying. And obedience flows from what? Our devotion. Because we love him. Because we love him, we follow him and we obey him. When Jesus gave this commission to his disciples, he fully anticipated their obedience. He fully, in Matthew 28, when he commissioned them, he fully anticipated their obedience. And by the power of God's spirit, they did obey. And that's why we can sit in this local church today, because those men obeyed Jesus. They obeyed Jesus. And this teaches us that obedience is essential for who we are as disciples. We are people who obey. And I can't stress this enough. Obedience must flow from our devotion to Jesus. It's our communion with him. It's our relationship to him. That must fuel our obedience. Robbie Gallaty said this, and I thought it was really interesting. He said, we are never closer to Jesus than when we are doing what he commanded us to do. And as a critical thinker, I said, hold on, wait. What, what, what does he say? He said, we are never closer to Jesus than when we are doing what he commanded us to do. And I thought about this, and I wrestled with this, and I realized he's not talking, he's not talking judicially or placed in God. You know, when we believe in Jesus, we are saved by faith and faith alone, and that gives us a right standing with God. On our good days, God accepts us. On our bad day, God accepts us. He loves us. We are his beloved. Why? Because of our faith alone in Jesus Christ. He's not talking about that. He's talking about our communion and our relationship to Jesus. He's talking relationally. We're closer to Jesus or we're never closer to Jesus than when we are obeying him. And don't you want that? Don't you want to be close to Jesus relationally? Our devotion must flow from our obedience. 
in honor of Matthew 28, let me tell you how Jesus tells us to make disciples. We went through the what. Let me tell you how as application to this message. Jesus says, go and make disciples. He tells them how. And there's three things I want to give you. He says, live missionally. Live missionally. And this is so important. We are disciples. We are, we are devoted followers of Jesus who are obeying, gathering, and going. And as we, as we obey him, we go and live missionally. This transforms everything. The way we live, our homes. If you're a single mom at home with the kids, guess what? These children are the mission field. They are the mission Our jobs, if you're a man and you're working in a factory, guess what? You're on mission there. And we need to live missionally, think missionally, because we are disciples. We are disciples. We are to live missionally. And this, again, this engages every activity of our lives. It's not about adding more things to the schedule to live missionally. Let's say, for instance, your children, they have a soccer game, baseball game. Guess what? That game is the mission field. It's not about adding more things. Where you are already doing everyday life, you are to be living intentionally to make disciples. Think missionally. Secondly, share intentionally. How do we make disciples? We think missionally. We share intentionally. No disciples are made by accident. Healthy disciples are not made by accident. And so we want to be intentional with gathering with one another, doing life on life in life and community. One great way to be intentional about growing and and sharing and making disciples is to join a missional community. And we'll have a whole message on that in this series and the opportunity for you to lead or, or to join missional communities. Thirdly, we want to live obediently to our Lord. And what's, what's neat about this, as we function as disciples, obeying, gathering, and going, we actually become more like Jesus. All of this produces Christ-likeness in us, which is the goal, right? We are to think missionally, share intentionally, live obediently. Let's close. Look at Matthew 28. Notice the promise that Jesus gives his disciples in verse 20. I am with and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's always with us. And we have this reality, right? Jesus is always with us. And we we stand on that. But we also remember what he has done for us in communion. And we're going to transition into that now and take communion. Let me pray, and then we'll take communion. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done in our lives. Thank you for making us disciples of your Son. You have given us your Spirit, who is very able and willing to make us devoted to Jesus, to obey him, to live in community, and to be ever on mission to replicate more disciples. May that be true of our church. May that be true in my life. And may that be true in the lives of my brothers and sisters as well. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you don't have a communion cup, would you please just lift up your hand? There will be deacons here to, to give you the elements. Here, the only rule at Berean for a communion is that you have to be a believer. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can partake. If you're not a believer, we ask that you would abstain from taking this, please. Again, we're, 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 we're thinking through this tension that Jesus is always with us, and yet he did something historically. Objectively, he died on the cross for our sins. And we remember his sacrifice. And we do that through the elements. Paul recording or recalling how Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper in Corinthians. He said, for this I have received from the Lord, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take other bread. Give us some time with the lids here. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. As we enter into worship, remember that Jesus is with us. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you for your grace. We, your people, give you honor, glory, and praise. In your name, amen.